0: Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to be able to just sit quietly and peacefully and hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the teaching that the Spirit provides. We thank you for your very presence. We ask that you bless us, Lord. You know the things that we are going through and that we've been going through. And we just thank you, Lord, for just remembering us. We thank you for just taking uh, you and and just making sure that we are just taking everything in that you give to us and provide to us to encourage us, to teach us, to just sit with us quietly. We thank you, Lord, for all these things, and we ask them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. While I'm thinking about it, uh, please pray for my dad. Uh, he is in the hospital. I'm just asking you to do that. We're, You just pray for him to just be overshadowed by the Lord's presence as we, the Lord provides healing that's necessary. Amen? Amen? Thank you for doing that. Now more than ever, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are going to face the ongoing challenge of discerning truth. Discerning truth. Many often ask the question as to what truth is. It's a valid question. Pontius Pilate asked the very same question when speaking to Jesus before his crucifixion. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 18. John 18. Now, when we look at Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate was a vehicle in Christ's effort to be sacrificed and die on the cross. And we'll see that even in this passage. And we also learn from other readings too that Pontius Pilate was already warned about Jesus Christ by his own wife. Don't do anything to that man. Don't hurt that man. Don't do anything that's going to get him in trouble. But and Pontius Pilate, I think, just from my interpretation of this passage, didn't want to do anything to him. But ultimately, what it came down to is that he was befuddled. He didn't know what to do next. And God took control of that situation. But let's take a look at the passage. Verses 33 through 38. John chapter 18, verses 33 through 38a. Because we're going to cover verse A in 38. John 18, verses 33 through 38a. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible Version. Verse 33, Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? Verse 35, I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, Your own nation, the chief priests, hand you over to me. What have you done? Verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? Said Pilate. What is truth? Now with Pilate's question, the assumption can be made that he wanted to know more. He wanted to know more. How about you? What about you? Do you want to know more? Do you want to know more? Let me ask this another way. Do you desire to learn more about Jesus? Do you desire to learn more about Jesus? Now, without putting words in your mind or thoughts in your mind, it should be everyone's desire to want to learn more about Jesus. Amen? It should be your desire anyway. It should be a desire for everyone to want to learn, no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in your life. Teenagers, toddlers, toddlers, Even the toddlers that you teach, they want to know more too. Acquiring wisdom and knowledge has everything to do with, get this, the fulfillment of your purpose in life. You should want to know more about Jesus to fulfill your purpose in life. That should be your desire. So do you desire to learn more about Jesus? If your answer is yes, then we'll explore how you can not only learn more about him, but also develop characteristics that will lead you to desiring not just head knowledge, but also the ongoing growth and development of your relationship with him through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within you to give you this extra wisdom and knowledge it's all about developing that heart knowledge not just head knowledge heart knowledge we got a lot of folks that have head knowledge and for in many cases that head knowledge is meaningless we need heart knowledge The godly wisdom that will strengthen you and your relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen? Heart knowledge. That's what the Spirit can do for us. Now, why is this important? Why am I making this important? It is important, but why is this coming to mind? Well, I've observed over a period of three decades of ministry, That there are many, many believers in Jesus Christ that have not reached the level of intimacy with Jesus Christ that can only come through a thoughtful and consistent approach to study. A thoughtful and consistent approach to study. Now these are well-intentioned people that I'm referring to, but it doesn't change the reality where churches must reinforce the importance of teaching, and not just teaching, from the pulpit and the classroom, but personal Bible studies. It's okay to get teaching from the pulpit. It's okay to get teaching from the Sunday school class and the classroom in general, but what do you do with that teaching? Now you got to sit down. Between you and your Bible, And figure out what's important. And I'm not referring to anyone within the sound of my voice when I talk about these well-intentioned people. I'm referring in general. You know who these people are. Where they're stuck in the mud and they're not getting out. And they profess to know the name of Jesus. But they can't figure a way out. The lack of a desire to study about Jesus creates a malaise within the believer. A malaise. And I deliberately use that word malaise because of what it represents for a believer. A general sense of depression or unease. No believer should be experiencing a prolonged effect of depression or unease. You'll have your moments... But you get unstuck from those moments. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you can't put your finger as to why you're feeling this way, it may be as simple as opening your Bible and reading what you've been missing. Open your Bible. Challenge yourself. Don't be the person who has well, I got nothing else to do. I might as well go on and read my Bible. No, 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 no. You shouldn't have to be backed into a corner before you pick up a Bible. Amen? Amen? Perhaps there is a greater psychological effect on those who fail to push for more knowledge. But we can easily conclude that Satan has that person in a place where he wants them. Satan's got control. If you don't have any desire to read God's word, Satan's got you. Amen? Amen. Satan's got you. If you ain't picking up a Bible, if you're not even thinking about doing a study, he's got you. A person who no longer tries to understand about God is less and less effective in the body and has a strained relationship with Jesus. Did you hear that? A strained relationship. Have you ever been in a strained relationship? Amen? Y'all know what that is. It's not comfortable. It's not healthy. It's nothing you, it's like you dread being around the person who caused a strained relationship. Oh, good grief. Uh-huh. You don't want to be around anybody like that. Well, what a pity it would be for you to have a strained relationship with Jesus Christ. The evidence is in the behavior of the person who is not grounded effectively in Christ. Paul saw this as a real problem in the church at Corinth. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's look at verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Verses 1 through 3. Now many of you have seen this verse before. And there's another one to follow this as well too. In a different place in the New Testament. But ultimately it comes down to. A description for a lot of believers today. And it's sad. Because they're taking whatever information is coming to them, but they're not expounding upon it. They're not going further. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 through 3. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. Not using the word babes in Christ. Babies in Christ. There's a difference. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you are not ready for it. Not yet ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready. Because you are still worldly. Worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? We have a lot of worldly Christians out there. Sunday, we are holier than that, than that. Monday through Saturday, we crazy. Amen. 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 Amen? Amen? We have entirely too many immature believers who proclaim Jesus but don't really know Him as they should. This is not a criticism of anyone here. Because I think the people here are faithful. But we need to understand the importance of speaking the truth of Christ to those people who have this this difficulty. Get them in the word. You help them get in the word. Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14. Another passage i look at. I'm always careful to make sure that I establish that when we get together and have these conversations as we are, that it's not to beat people up. It is to encourage them. But we need to also speak truth about the world we live in. Why is your friend in Christ not growing in Christ like you are? It's a valid question. Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14. This is the NIV version. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need to teach someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. There it is again. You need milk. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Remember that word, mature. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Maturity in the faith is directly correlated to maturity in your study habits. I'll read that again. Maturity in the faith is directly correlated to maturity in your study habits. Note again what's being stated in Hebrews. It requires consistent training to be able to distinguish what is good versus what is evil. You're less likely to be blindsided by Satan if you know what's coming around the corner. Amen? That's the truth. We are not to study the Bible just because we're told to do so By me or anyone else By the church You don't study the Bible because I told you to do it I mean, we as we were growing up Didn't we hate when our parents always told us stuff? I mean, they told us right But after a while, we got tired of it, amen? 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 I'm just checking to see if you're up with me Get tired of that stuff Well, I'm not telling you to do it because I said so Amen? Amen? We're to study because there's a genuine, heartfelt desire to get to know the Savior more and more. Do you have that desire? You don't have to answer out loud. Ponder that for a moment. Your study time and efforts as you mature in your faith should be the equivalent of a satisfying hunger by eating a delicious meal. Have you ever had a good steak? a delicious steak, a steak that might be the best steak that you've ever eaten in your life, well, going to Bible study should be satisfying, just like satisfying your hunger when you eat a steak. Amen? Amen. This is one place where you can't overeat. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Go to Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 5, verse 6. I love God's Word because I found a verse like this that actually speaks to what we just talked about. Matthew 5, verse 6. This is the ESV version. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. It should be satisfying for you to sit down... It could be a planned reading, like if you following the Bible plan, and open that Bible and look at it. Or open that electronic device and look at it. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. All your heart. No haphazard stuff. Amen? All your heart. Turn over to Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5. Seek after him with all your heart. I can't make you do that. Anybody say Siri? Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Proverbs and the Psalms are laced with these statements. This is just one area. God has conveyed to His readers of His Word that there is a value associated with requiring, acquiring, excuse me, His wisdom and knowledge. There's a value to it. He's used the term silver and gold many times in Scripture. What are silver and gold? They're precious metals. And they have a value. You can buy or sell silver or gold. And lately get a pretty good amount for it too. It's a way for each of us to see that the time spent in studying is well worth your time and effort. It's not a waste of time. It has an eternal value. Eternal value. We learn more about Jesus as we study His Word. There's no better way to do it. Whether you study by reading His Word or listening to an audio Bible, it all counts. Amen? It all counts. Read it, listen to it. It all counts. So for those of us who are so busy, we can't figure out what we're doing, and we have long commute times, using that as an excuse, plug in a CD, Or put something on your iPod or whatever it is and plug it in through your car and listen to the Bible while you're in the car. Amen? Makes sense to me. It's well worth your time. It's well worth the effort. No excuses. Believers cannot make excuses anymore about not reading and studying the Bible. We have the technology today that lets us do it very, very easily. Very easily. Praise the Lord, and praise the Lord again, and praise the Lord again. And it's all over the world, everybody. Folks got their iPads, and they can read it in their own language. We're getting closer to the time where the Lord's going to say, the end will come. You know why? Because everybody who's had an opportunity to understand and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will have that message put before them. We're getting closer. Amen. Amen. This is nothing to play around with. Don't be left behind because you didn't take the time that you fully have to get before the Lord this word. We study to acquire wisdom and knowledge of Him. Proverbs 9.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One Is insight. As we learn more about Him, we can live in a manner that honors Him. In James chapter 1, there is an appeal to live as not just hearers, but doers of the Word. That's in verse 22. This has everything to do with what? Putting your faith in action. Your faith in action. It is your acts of goodness and charity where God will honor and affirm you in your service for him. Goodness and charity. Now, all of this information requires every believer to devote some quiet time for studying his word. It's very important that you make this time of studying reflection a priority. Quiet time. You've heard that before. Quiet time. If you don't take your study as seriously as you should, or even make an effort to do it, your faith and your relationship with Jesus is going to struggle. It's going to be an ongoing struggle. It's going to be, you're going to be tussling with him, you're going to be trying to wrestle with him, he's going to beat you. Your true growth in Christ comes as you learn more about his commands. Which are a reflection of his wisdom you got to learn more about Jesus so you can be obedient to Him. He knows what's best for us. Amen? Do you think the Lord knows what's best for you? Do you think Jesus knows what's best for you? Yes. Amen? Yes. Well, you need to show that. Yes. You need to show that. That's faith in action, everybody. Not just saying it, but doing it. I'm not saying that you're saying it, and not doing it, but you just have to do it. You have to live it. As you learn more about Jesus in your studies, guess what you're also going to learn? Very important of his relationship. His love for you. Amen? Amen. He loves you. God is love. 1 John 4, 8. He loves you. The more that you learn about him, the more that you will love him as well. So let's take a summary of the first section of this message and deal with these following points that promote the study of God's word. First, just write down a general point of this. We study God's Word in order to increase our experience with Jesus. We get greater information, and we get more familiar with Him. Increasing familiarity and greater information. That's why you do it. You're wanting to learn more. We are to study in order to develop greater consistency in our faith. Which leads to maturity in Christ. Maturity. That's what we all want, amen? We want to be more and more mature in Christ. We are to study in order to learn more about how we are to be obedient to His commands. We need to obey His commands because we just got through saying, He knows what's best for us, amen? He knows what's best for us. And finally, we're to study about Jesus in order to fulfill his purpose in our lives. Our purpose is to what? Glorify him in everything that we do. No matter what profession you have, no matter what you do, you can dig ditches, you can glorify God. Amen? Amen. One of the jobs that I used to have when I worked at BP, uh, Brother Charles is going to to this too, and so can Greg as well, too. I had to go and clean the toilet in the facility. And that can be either the most pleasant or the most unpleasant experience you'll ever have. Amen? Amen. Clean up after somebody else's you-know-what. But you had to do it. You can't have a nasty bathroom. Okay? So what we had to do, we had to put on those gloves... And we had to grab the cleaning materials and we got the brush and the brush would get destroyed after about a few strokes because of all the stuff in there. <laughs> but you clean it. Part it's, a, it's part of the job. It's part of the job. But guess what? If you do the job well, guess what you've just done? you glorify God. Because you get rid of any disease or sickness or whatever is in there that people left behind because goodness knows if somebody leaves behind all kinds of you-know-what, and it's not solid, there's disease there. Yeah, let's just gross out Sunday, amen? I'm not trying to gross you out. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all's grown. Y'all know. Okay, but our purpose is to glorify God. Amen? That's why we do what we do. So now that we've established the basic benefits of Bible study, we need to emphasize the commitment to Bible study. It must be consistent every day. Let me repeat that. Consistent every day. Amen? Amen. A time or range of time, either in the morning, the lunchtime, or in the evening, will establish a routine that will keep the Word at the forefront of your daily living. Now, some of you are already probably picked out a time for that. That's great. Be flexible. Because there are going to be times where you're going to have to wind up doing it a different time of day than what you planned on. Because Satan doesn't want you in the Word. Amen? Stuff happens. Be flexible. As we review this, please take a moment to consider your present daily routine for Bible study time. Now, my, as a personal example, my time is in the morning. And my prayer time is at night at bedtime. Now, it's a great way to review and reflect on the day and to acknowledge those people that we come across who need prayer. Guess what? As the day goes along, you just start making a checklist of people you need to pray for, if you don't pray for them right then, but people to come to mind. And you take care of that at night. Of course, prayer is also a time for thanking the Lord for the day and for your ministry. You know, you're in ministry. Amen? You're in ministry. No matter where you are, you're in ministry. Thank Him for the fact that He is using you to be in His ministry. I also believe it's appropriate to be prayerful as you reflect on all of these points. There is no need nor a benefit to dwell upon what you haven't done in this area or if you've struggled with it. Let's just start at the beginning. Let's just start today. Amen? Let's start today. Malachi 4.2. I'll just read it. New King James Version. But to you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Amen. The Word is rich and is fulfilling. And if you stay with the Lord, he will feed you. And you'll be well fed. That's what this verse references. You'll be well fed. Jesus loves your sincere effort, and he will affirm you as you take this on. So let's take a look then. You've got to block out all of your personal areas of distraction and the world's distractions. Amen? And get after pursuing Jesus. That's why we said quiet time, because if you don't block out this time, and if you allow distractions to get in, you won't be focused. These are things we've all run across, amen? amen. Stuff happens. TV can't be blared in the background. Amen? amen. amen. Turn that TV down. Amen. Turn that TV off. Amen. Amen. Amen? amen? Pray for the passion that only Jesus can give to you as you read and study His Word. Now I created an acronym of the word study to make points of reference in this effort. So you can mark down the word study on your uh, paper your handout. I'm going to give you 5 different ways that you can go after this. The first were a letter in study is S and S for strive. To strive. The word strive represents making a great effort to the point of being tenacious. Tenacious. The way to keep your efforts as strong as possible is to approach your reading when you are wide awake and well rested. You're not going to be very successful if you ain't got no sleep last night. You know, Maybe if you're wide awake in the middle of the night, open your Bible and start reading it. It has a calming effect to it. Well, unless you're reading Leviticus or something, I don't know. You can find some calming verses in there for you Okay (laughs) It also helps to follow a plan That's going to lead to success And not set you up for failure I'm not a big fan on one year Bible plans That's just me personally I think it sets you up for failure I really do I don't think that the time that you spend Is going to be helpful You might be able to do it for a few days But after a while i got to read all this Oh man And don't miss a day Woo I've always recommended a two-year Bible plan. I just think that's going to be more beneficial for you. It sets you up for greater success in reading. Now, your reading's going to take place each day with chunks of time that begins with a good plan. Spending seven to ten minutes of uninterrupted time. Say uninterrupted fast. Uninterrupted time. Now, if you feel like reading more, you can. Hey, there's freedom in Christ. Amen? It doesn't have just to be 7 to 10 minutes. You can read more if you feel like reading more. But the 7 to 10 is a guideline. It gets you started. You also need to consider your prayer time that follows your reading. You need to meditate on what you've read. Meditate on it. Spend some time with the Lord in prayer. Try to find out what the Lord is trying to teach you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there should be meditation that takes place. Now that will help you spend a healthy 15 minutes of time in study and reflection each day. That's just the starting point. But you've done it. you put the time in. It's your efforts to strive for success that are going to prevail as you move forward. Keep in mind that you can always go back to the Bible at different times of the day. It isn't just about, okay, I did my reading, ah, and that's it for the day. Oh, no, no. That's what I mean by striving. You might come back to it later. And in many cases, you should come back to it later. The T in study refers to the word think. Think. Bible study requires thinking what on the wisdom that comes from above. Think. That's from John 3.31. Take a look at Philippians 4.8. Now we know this verse. You can can turn to it. Philippians 4.8. We've seen Philippians 4.8 before many, many times. But there's a key word in that passage that I zeroed in on. Philippians 4:8, English Standard Version. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See where your focus is? Think about it. those things that are going to basically keep you out of trouble. Amen? That's what those things are. You think on these things, they will keep you out of trouble. You will resist temptation. You won't be doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. Think on these things. That's why you study. Who is more worthy of praise than the author and originator of wisdom, Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen? Use your study time to reflect on what Jesus has done in your life as you correlate your daily reading to your present experiences. Everything you read has a connection with what you're doing in life right now. That's a promise. But you've got to think about it. Don't read the Bible and say, oh, this ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah, it does. Everything you read has to do with you. Everything you read has to do with who? Jesus Christ. All 66 books of the Bible point to Jesus Christ. It's a great way to learn more about him each day. Apply what you read to your present life experiences and pray about it. The you in study is to understand. The you in study is to understand your daily prayer is to have Jesus open your heart and your mind to greater understanding of him, his words, and his commands. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.7 says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. If you ask for it and you seek after him, he's going to give you what you're looking for. What does the Bible say about something? you need to go and look for it. You know what you can do, too? If you have a question about a specific topic in the Bible, you can get on the internet and put a search in the window up above about a topic and just put like Bible verses or something like that in the, in its comment. And guess what pops up? Bible verses that'll answer your question. How about that? There's all kinds of ways for you, for ways for you now to get Information that helps you to go forward. For us tech-savvy folks, we ain't got no excuse. Amen? Amen, Arlen? Amen. 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 I wouldn't pick it on you. I just... I know you're tech-savvy. That's why I said that. Amen. The recognition of God's glory, His presence, His grace, His mercy, and His sovereign nature gives you greater insight into what? God's character. God's character as you understand him more and more. We can relate to Jesus as as he took on all of our burdens. He was obedient to the Father when he died on the cross for our sins. We can relate to that because we've read it, we've studied it, we understand it. He didn't have to do it! But he did it anyway. To understand Jesus in faith is a great way to build upon our relationship with him. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, a full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When you read something like that or you see a verse like that, what does that mean to you? Let us draw near with a true heart. Not just doing something because somebody told you to do it. Doing it because you want to do it. You want a true heart. The D in study is to discern. Now, I, mean, I spent some time even talking about this during Sunday school. Discernment is something we should always be praying for. Amen? Discernment. It's a very important element that comes out of our study. First of all, you've got to know the word to be able to discern. Amen? you got to know the Word. You've got to get into it and read it. The Holy Spirit, as our indwelling teacher, provides wisdom and support that helps every believer to discern what is appropriate as we mature in our faith. Our discernment gets better and better and better over time if we stay in the Word and pray about it. We learn about how important it is for us to uh, behave as mature people living in a Christ-like manner. We discern. Remember what we said earlier? We discern between what? Good and evil. There's a lot of fakers out there, everybody. Amen? 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 Amen. Amen. There's a lot of fakers out there, everybody. And people who don't know the word get run over. Amen. If you don't know the word, people can tell you anything. Amen. As we mature in our faith, there is much more for each of us to experience as we grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we need to treat this as an adventure. We're on an adventure with Jesus Christ together. It's an adventure. I love the statement. I, I didn't. I didn't. I just came up with it one day. Every day is an adventure. It's true. We're on an adventure, and we're an adventure on an adventure with Jesus Christ. He wants us to have this close relationship with. And we are we glorify God because we just take the time to spend with him. And we get this extra discernment. We get this extra knowledge. We get this extra wisdom that he's trying to impart to us. Now the why in study represents the word yearn. Yearn. To yearn is to be moved with tenderness or to have affection for someone is to develop a very strong desire for longing as well. In other words, to yearn is to really just want to go after. I really want to seek the Lord. I really want to be in front of Him. Now, as I was preparing this message, it occurred to me, hang on to your hats a little bit here. It occurred to me that women are often very emotionally engaged with Jesus as they pursue him. In their prayer life, and in their personal studies. I said women. But men, in general, have traditionally been less emotionally attached. Or less enthused to show emotion. Or even a visible desire of a commitment to Jesus Christ. This is true Now, it's just my take It's unscientific But all you have to do is look at church attendance Let's look at church attendance And see clear evidence that women Are more likely to be in the fellowship That have a tangible connection with Jesus Unscientific But look in this room today And you'll see what I'm talking about Okay Okay now I'm inferring that women will do a better job of completing the spirit of all five letters of our acronym in the study. All five letters, okay? While well, men will have no trouble with the first four letters and spell the word stud. S-T-U-D. <laughs> so, so, now why do I say stud? <laughs> it's a macho thing. A man does not want publicly to show himself to be vulnerable. That's just our character. Amen? Amen. We want to be (laughs) studs. After all, he has an image to keep up. Amen? That's what men do. Men have an image to keep up. It is indeed rare to see men reflect a yearning for God's Word. A yearning for God's Word. A yearning for God's Word. But guess what? A yearning for Jesus Christ, but guess what? We don't need more studs in church. Mm -hmm. Amen? We don't need more studs. We need men who yearn to study God's Word more and more. More and more. We need more gentlemen in the body of Christ. Who will readily humble themselves before him. Humble themselves before him. Hey, get prostrate. Amen? If that's what you need to do. Repent for operating in the flesh with pridefulness. And pray for the Lord to provide wisdom as they seek you. First John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But guess what? We need to confess. If we confess our sins. From time to time, we all need a reset. From time to time, we all need a fresh start. Amen? Amen? We need a fresh start. We need a reset. Sometimes you have to boot your computer. It's going crazy right in front of you. It's time to reboot. Reboot your computer. Then everything's alright with the world again. You do the same thing for yourself. God's going to grant this to us and give us peace as we develop a greater emotional attachment to Him. We need to create a greater emotional attachment to Him. That's men and women. Is for everyone who chooses to pursue him in this manner. As a teacher, I want to see both men and women grow spiritually at the same pace. At the same pace. Not one catching up to the other. And with that, I want to see them yearn for a close, healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to see married couples on the same page with their studies. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. You need to be on the same page. Jesus wants to see men step up in their roles in the church as potential leaders as they devote their lives of service to Christ. That's either in their professions or within the fellowship. Step up. We can see how having a yearning and a desire for Jesus will bring about the very characteristics that God wants us to have as we operate in the body. Humility. Humility. Care. Concern. And charity for other people. That's what Jesus wants to see in everybody. All believers, as they get to know the character of Jesus Christ, should develop a yearning for him. That why in study is a very important why. A yearning for him. It's a deep desire to grow more and more as you consistently pray to God and grow in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He loves you more than you can imagine. God loves you more than you can imagine. You can't describe how much he loves you. If he didn't love you, you wouldn't be here. Amen? Amen. And he wants you to grow as he sanctifies you with the presence of his Holy Spirit in your life. That's why you have the indwelling spirit. You have a success plan. The spirit is your success plan. Take advantage of it. We see how our study of God's word is very important within our personal development. So seek after Jesus in prayer if you do the following studies. Strive for him. Strive for him. Think about him. Understand him more and more. Discern as you live in his righteousness. Yearn for him And His Word every day. Pray that the Lord gives you this heartfelt desire to make the time to get before Him in prayer and study His Word. Is your direct path to victory. Victory. Remember when we sing the song, Oh Victory in Jesus, My Savior Forever? It's your path to victory. I want to be a winner. Amen? Amen. I want to win. I want to experience victory. And you should too. But you have a path now. You know what you need to do. You're going to learn more. You're going to grow more. And you're going to mature in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So now more than ever, everybody, it's study time. It's study time. Let's get after it. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your very presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for helping us to see the importance of humbling before you. And Lord, we want to be a people that truly grows in our relationship, that we can discern all the things that are coming out today. People who claim to know more about being saved than you do. Know more about what is to be in their faith, whatever that is, rather than the faith we already have. We pray for discernment and we pray for the ability to seek your truth. We know that the only way we can get that is we seek you in your word. Whether we read it or listen to it. We pray that you just give us a greater desire to focus on these things. And we thank you for the good results. We thank you for the learning experience. We thank you for the victory that we will experience in Jesus Christ. We give you praise and thanks in your name. Amen.